Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. We dedicated in the past few weeks for the for Rifkula, for the Shalom, Basman Ahmed Lakayan, Shir here. And for Shir Bastanil. Shir Al Shalom Bastanil Shirchia. The Shabbos, Pasha's Yisrael. One of the times that we read Yaseris Adibris. Sedibis is written in the Taylor twice, Pashas Yisrael and Pashas Vazhanan. We also read Yasadis Dibis on Chag Hashavuis. Coming week is also Chav Beishvat, the outside of the Rebetzin, the Shalom, and we're having this weekend, I believe, the Kinnis Ashtuches from all over the world. And again, like to pay a tribute that may have asked him to my mother-in-law also Baruch Hashem merited to a wonderful birthday this year CMC Fetera many many others Chusim Shev Lange Gesund to Felech Yarden enjoy the Eneklech the Ureneklech See much nachas in the Pash in itself is a mountain of information, a mountain of medrashim and stories and questions. Matan Teira, receiving of the Teira. is a basis of our Amunah, our belief in Hashem. How we believe, how much we believe in Hashem. Tell a story of a fellow 
they'd have to take a large gemach, Mildes Chesed, a free loan, large amount, $50,000. And he gave them head checks. And he asked that they don't deposit any checks. Every month, he'll redeem the checks. And um, every day, every month he'll bring cash. First month, check was due the next day, and the gabay the gemach forgot, and he put in the check. That evening, the fellow was driving home and needed gas. He pulled into a gas station. And he used his card, and they said, there's no money. He said, how's that possible? Just made a large deposit. And he says, well, I guess the guy, he must have made a mistake. I must have put in my check. What should I do? I'm going to be stranded here now without gas. So, the gas station attendant told him, you know, it's interesting. I've noticed sometimes when I ran into such problems, I checked in my car, I looked through, and I found money. I didn't know it was there. And uh, maybe do the same. So the fellow checked through his car, his glove compartment through here, there, and he found odds, ends, and lifts of it. He found $23. So he used $20 for gas, and $3 he had. And he came home, and there was this fellow selling lottery tickets at Tzedakah, scratch off to win. And he had three dollars, it was three dollar tickets. So he bought a ticket, and lo and behold, he scratched off and won. How much did he win? Fifty thousand dollars. And he paid off the whole gemach. Fellow could have gotten very angry. Could have gotten very upset. The person cashed his check, but he didn't. He said, "If this is what Hashem wants, this is what Hashem wanted." And because he had this emuna, Hashem paid him back immediately. This is the basis of Torah: emuna and mesidus nefesh. You know, a similar story. Many years ago in communist Russia, ten Yidin, son, were caught for a petty crime, what they thought was a crime, should have been a crime, could have been a crime. What the government decided was a crime. And they were sentenced. 
sentence could have been either one way, one or two things. Either Siberia, hard labor, or sentenced to death, Rechman al-Sun. Baruch Hashem at the submitten of a government, and they chose to sentence them to death. And they sent them to death, Rechman al-Sun. The Galach came into the room, the priest. Yikes. The priest came in and he said to them, I offer you your freedom. Welcome, Atlanta. I offer you your freedom. He says, What do you want? I'll give you five days to think about it. If you're ready to convert Christianity, I'll give you your freedom. And the Galah consisted that they all get put in a different room, ten different rooms, and this way, they can think of it, for f- think over it for five days. And if they're all in different rooms, they won't be able to convince each other. They won't be able to strengthen each other. They won't be able to and that's how it was. They all went to different rooms. And the Galak went to the Rav, and he told the Rav the story of what's going to happen with them. That he's giving them an opportunity to convert to Christianity. And this will save their lives. They can go home, they want to go to Siberia, anything. No. Came the fifth day. came the fifth day and the Rav called in all the community and they came to Davin they came to fast, say Tillam and towards the end of the day the Rav took out ten ca- nine candles Nine candles. There were ten people. They got nine candles. I said, why? Because the tenth one is very young. He's an orphan, a Yosin has no father. He has no father, and he doesn't think that the mother, he doesn't think the mother would be left alone, he doesn't need the child to leave the mother alone and therefore he probably won't, he'll probably convert and the mother was in shul and she started to scream out, to cry no, no, no light a candle for him too the Rav heard this 
and he heard, saw her determination, and he said, Chas Shalom, my son should convert. And he lit a tenth candle. A short while later, a messenger came from the courts to say that all ten of them, Rechman were killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, rather than Chas convert from the Yiddishkeit. So this we see, we see this nefesh and amuna of Yidin, which is the basis of what the Torah teaches us. And we find this as well when it comes to Matan Torah. Torah tells us, "Vayisyatzvu betachtisahor." And they stood at the bottom of the mountain. If you keep in score at home, the famous Sugya and Shabbos, Peichesem and Aleph, the Yimara says, they stood at the bottom of the mountain, doesn't mean the bottom of the mountain, it means they stood at the foot of the mountain, doesn't mean at the foot of the mountain, but rather beneath the mountain. They were under the mountain. What happened here? Kofalim Harakigigis. Hakadosh Baruch Hu raised the mountain on top of them and said to them, "If you accept the Tera, good. And if not, you'll be buried beneath this mountain." And the Gemara finishes off saying. What is this? How does this coincide with the concept of Nasav and Ishma? How does this coincide with the fact that the Eden said Nasav and Ishma will do and we will hear? If they had a mountain hovering over their heads. And we know, says the Gemara, that Kimu Vikibla Yehudim. In the story of Purim, the Yidden accepted upon themselves, and at that point was a reacceptance of Matan Tera. It's almost a thousand years later. This question begs to ask: Was the acceptance of the Tera by the Yidden coerced? They said Nasav and Ishma before anything. Moshe said, you're going to get the Tera? And they said Nasav and Ishma. Why does the Gemara give us this fact, this point, that they were forced? So we must say, therefore, it's a Moshe in essence. An example, a parable. Not Chasvashon. The Jews accepted the Torah against their will. And the only fact that it was willful was because there was a mountain on the top of their heads. And therefore an influence was beyond control. 
B'nai Yisrael left Egypt a mere 50 days before this. 50 days prior to Matan they had left Egypt. Let us remember the spiritual state they were in, in Egypt. They were in 49 Shari Tumah. There are 50 gates of Tumah, there are 50 gates of Kedusha, and the opposite. They were already in the 49th gate. Another day in Mitzrayim, they would have been impossible to pull out. Their internal transformation from what they, the, way, the way they were entrenched and influenced in Egypt and depraved in Ervas Oretz, the shame of the earth. And they had gone from extreme to extreme to now being acceptance of the Holy Teda and appreciating the ideals of Teda and unconditionally accepting it. To observe them. It's not natural. It's not common sense. There's something here that doesn't click. If you want to tell me a Jew, raised a Jew and everything, and was offered to do a hard mitzvah, and he said, okay, for example, a yid raised the whole yid all his life and is ready to be mice and nefesh for something, to s- give up his life for something, for God. I hear you. And one of the more powerful and potent stories of World War II, the Holocaust, Islam. They tell a story, there were three boys in a concentration camp. Two were not from, excuse me, two were from, and one wasn't from a from family. And the boy that was not from a from family was literally raised like a German. He knew nothing about Yiddishkeit. But he saw the other two boys, and were sweet boys, nice boys, good boys, intelligent boys, and he latched on to them. They were the same age. And he latched on to them. And he started to learn from them. And he started to act like them. And they saw them making brachas before they ate. And he asked, what is this? And they told him what a bracha is thanking Hashem for what you have even though it's so little now the front boys actually came from poor families especially compared to this boy but this boy was a Jew like any other Jew he was put in a concentration camp so they told him how they appreciate every morsel of food they get and therefore a bracha means so much to them Whereas, for him, everything used to come on a silver platter. And then they saw one day that they had tzitzis hidden away, and they used to put them on and make a bracha and kiss the tzitzis. 
And he said, please let me as well. And they did. And he started learning from them how to make brachas. They started teaching him little snippets of davening. The boy was transforming into a from child in the concentration camps. One day, the Nazis in Machshemov Zechram had a very, very warped sense of humor, to say the least. And they would look for different ways to mentally, psychologically, physically torment people. And they came up with a, a, a real juicy plan. They used to see these, these three boys together always. And they went into the other part of the camp and they found the three mothers were still alive. Okay. Time to have fun. Nazi style in Machshimon. What did they do? They made two lines. Each line was five Nazis with heavy sticks. And they put the boy on one end and the mother on the other end. I said, if you can get through, you can go home to your mother. But the Nazis were going to beat them on the way through. Needless to say, the first boy, from the front boy, they took him, he was a weak fellow to begin with, and he started to walk towards his mother, and they started to pound on him, he never collapsed, he fell down, and the mother standing there, tortured, crying, the way watching her own son being beaten like that. And Achman al-Islam, he didn't survive. And the second boy did the same. And didn't accomplish much more. The third boy was in much better shape. Physically built, he was conditioned, he had gone to regular system, regular schools with the exercise programs and the gym always before the war. So although he's been debilitated slightly from the war itself and from what's going on in the camps, he still was a stronger fellow. He took out of his pocket a yarmulke and he put it on his head. And he said, I'm ready. And he started to proudly stand straight, walking through, and the other ones used to cower down for this. He said, I'm ready for this. And he started proudly with his head up, walking through, and the Nazis were banging on him, and pounding on him, and they made his head bleed, and they made his arms, and whatever they banged, and whatever they hit, he kept walking further and further. And he finally fell into his mother's arms, still able to stand, but in his mother's arms now. And he realized, he touched his head, he said, my keeper, my yarmulke. He said, what yarmulke? He said, I had a yarmulke on. He says, you don't wear a yarmulke. We never showed you, we never taught you such a thing. He says, no, 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 I wear a yarmulke now. And he looked back and he saw the yarmulke fall down in between the Nazis. When they hit him, it fell off. I said, I have to go back and get it. 
So they said, you want to go back and get it? You can't walk back this way, you have to walk back around. You have to get again hit. And he said, that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And he went again into the lines to bend down to get the bloody yarmulke, and now the Nazis were relentless. Because they saw that he had gotten through the first time, they weren't going to let this happen a second time. And they just beat and beat and beat him until they killed him. For the yarmulke. For the yarmulke of a child, a boy, that never wore a yarmulke in his life, until he came into the concentration camps. This was an example of Mesiris Nefesh, from someone who had no idea what it was, what Mesiris Nefesh was. So when Klal Yisrael comes to Matan Teda, they had just left Egypt fresh. They were still feeling their wounds and their pain. They were still licking their wounds. Although Matan Teda healed everything. But they were still hurting emotionally, psychologically, from all they had gone through, the tortures in Egypt. And here they were standing by Mount Taylor 49 days later. So what happened here? Hashkadosh Baruch reveals himself to the Yidden by Mount Taylor. This revelation, the way HaKadosh Baruch revealed himself to the Yidden, was at the highest level of Nevoah, as prophets. And this taught them that the life of Tera, of Tera observance, is the ultimate goodness a person can be blessed with. And life without Tera is not life. Now that they were aware of this truth, it was unthinkable for them to refuse the Torah. They had, of course, they wanted to accept it. But this is not something they already could come to appreciate on their own. So when God revealed Himself on on Sinai. This revelation of God, the godly revelation that passed on Sinai, the Yidin now were thrown into the commitment to observe the Tera. But without the appreciation of Tera's beauty that they had previously experienced, they were still ready to do it. So observing the Torah now without that inspiration was much more difficult than it seemed under the divine influence that they receive now. So therefore the Yamada says that this gave a strong disclaimer against the acceptance of the Torah until they re-accepted it in the time of Purim, a thousand years later. But yet, but yet, when it came to the actual Matan Teda,
it happened. came in the morning. Thunder and lightning. And the entire nation in the, the entire nation in the camp started to shudder, started to shake and to tremble. Honestly speaking, why did Tera have to be accompanied by thunder and lightning? Wasn't it enough? Wasn't it awesome enough? They had the revelation of God. Wasn't that frightening enough for them? What was lacking? They needed that as well. But the fright caused by the physical thunder and lightning was nothing. It was a paled comparison to the profound sense of awe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Jews to experience the godly revelation of his own. Evidently, this storm on Har Sinai was an external cause. was an external cause intended for what? intended to accompany the giving of the Tera it was not sorry, it was not an external cause to frighten the Yidin to accept the Tera but it was an effect a reflection of the great and beautiful awesome revelation that took place then. This physical storm of thunder and lightning it was only reflection of this shocking earth-shattering spiritual discovery that Bnei Yisrael and the world at large experienced at that great moment. Medesh Nachuma tells us, describes God's revelation on the Mount, on Mount Sinai as a bitl of a gazeta. There was a decree until now. And this decree was now nullified. What was the decree? The, the decree separated El Yenim Visachtenim, the higher realms and the lower realm. What was above was not coming down into this world, and what was on this world did not go up above. And that divide separated between the spiritual reality and the physical world. That divide was now breached.
until Matan Tera, the truth of the physical reality of the world is unquestionable. But after giving you the Tera, this whole perception was shattered. We found out that Gashmias is not tangible. It's not a tangible matter. But is derived from godliness. The one and only Hashem Echod. Hashem Echod who constantly generates existence. Which means that although we thought, although we feel, and some people till today feel the same, that HaKadosh Baruch created the world and put it on to autopilot, and that it now runs itself, we need to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly creating and recreating the world on a, every existing, existing moment, second, millisecond, whatever you want to call it. So imagine the shock within a person that discovers that everything he knew until now was grossly exaggerated. It was not the truth at all. And that reality is in fact the opposite of what he thought it to be. This blow that they received from this godly revelation on Sinai, it was a, what we call a rude awakening. Or not so rude, just a very strong awakening. So the startling thunder and lightning at the giving of the Teda was only a physical reflection of the spiritual storm that was going on within each and every Jew. Terah tells us that they came to Hasinai. Vayichan sham Yisrael neged ahor. And they encamped opposite the mountain. Vayichan, not vayachanu, which you mean they camped. Vayichan is singular. He camped. And Rashi explains, Ishechod Belevechod. There's a very famous Rashi. That when the Yidden camped by Matantera, they camped by Harsinai, they were one. And therefore it doesn't refer, reflect as Vayachanu, they, they, they were there. Rather Vayichan, he was there. But Rashi describes it, Ishechod Belevechod. Now, we found in Bishalach also a similar verse. It says, Mitzrayim was chasing them, but it's not Nesu, 
in plural, but Nisayachrein. Also, a Loshin Yochid, a singular term. Why is Nisayah a singular term? Rashi explains. But Levechod, Kishechod. One heart as one man. Wow. Very interesting. Rashi flips the explanation. When it came to Vayichan, referring to the Jews, as they rested as one, Rashi says, Ish echod echod. One person, one heart. One man, one heart. When it comes to the Mitzrayim chasing the Jews, their unity he refers to, one heart and one man. What is the difference? And what is it trying to, what is the message coming across to us? The people of Mitzrayim were obviously a very diverse group. They all had their different opinions. And within the Egyptians, you had the Egyptians, you had the sorcerers, the magicians, the this, the that, they were all different levels. And you even had those who feared the word of God, that's why they chased the Jews out. And those who did not and said, no, don't let the Jews leave. Where did they unite? They united when it came to hating the Jews. Hating the Jews, that they all united for. Their mutual feeling of animosity toward B'nai Yisrael with one heart. This brought them to be unified in uniform actions as one man against B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael's unity in their preparation for the giving of Tera was not only a uniform reaction to a common feeling they shared, to a common subject or theory, it was a deeper unity than that. It was Teda. It was an inherent unity that it was part of the very identity of the Jews. And this is what caused all of B'nai Yisrael to share equal feelings of anticipation, equal, she- equal feelings of desire to receive the Teda. Despite their individual differences, they put everything aside when it came to Teda. So therefore they were like one man in in essence. They shared the common yearning, anticipation with one heart. And therefore they came ish echad, belev echad. It was not their mission in life, like the Mitzrayim, to hate the Jews, and therefore applying their heart first.
So therefore, we say Vayichan Shem Yisrael. It's Shem. The stress is on the word Shem also, not just Vayichan. It says Vayichan Yisrael Negedahar. The Yidden rested by the mountain. They encamped by the mountain. Why does it say Shem there? And that Rashi also has an answer for. Vayichan Shom Yisrael Negedahar Ki Ish Echad Echad But nowhere else Only here By Har Sinai Did they camp as one Any other time they came to camp They camped With their own Each person their own Opinions However the Torah that was being given now caused a unity, incomparable unity, which therefore they all came together as. And therefore they were Ish Echad Lev Echad. But it was Sham. It was only there by Matan Taylor. This brings about the idea, the thought, how Tera makes peace in the world. It has a power, it has an attraction that brings together and brings closer total opposites. Tera itself was not made as such for that, it wasn't as built as that. Chazal tell us, Leinitlu Tera, Chatuchim, Elakod Dover Chuli, Memtes Panim Toyer, Memtes Panim Tamei. Wasn't divided up. Each thing has its forty-nine faces of Toyer and forty-nine faces of, of, of impurity. The Tera itself shows us its different facets, its different thought patterns. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara and Eidav and Yudgim Lamed Beis, which says, Eilu Eilu Divrelikim Chaim. We have often time two sages, two Tanroyim, Amaroyim. They say total opposites. They give an opinion of something, and they say the opposite of the other one. So who's right? Who's right? So the truth is, the Gemara most, for most part will give us one opinion. And say, this is the opinion we're going to go by. But, is the other Tana a fool? Is the other Tana mistaken? Did he not know what he was saying? Tells the Gemara, no. Elu ve'elu divrili himchaim. They are both the words of God. So much so that even once one of them says Tomei and one says Toher, one says something is pure and one says something is impure, one says Kasha, one says not Kasha. The opinion which we live by is the opinion that we go by, 
But each one has not just a respect, but an acceptance to the other one's opinion. I, it's officially, technically wrong, because this one says one thing, and this one says the opposite. So it's the They're both words of God. And this, therefore, takes the whole controversy and makes it Levechot. Zal tell us if you will say yes, chokhma bagoyim, that there is chokhma, there is smartness by the non-Jews, tamin, you can believe it. But if they tell you yes, teira bagoyim, this teira by the non-Jews, al tamin, don't believe that. What's the difference between chokhma and teira? Chachma is something that's separated from the person. A thought. person thinks something. An opinion. Technically, the opinion is the way the person lives. The person lives that usually, usually, when a person is not a hypocrite, Hypocrite, it doesn't speak hypocrisy. Hypocrite. Then usually, the way he talks is the way he thinks. And that's his opinion, that's the way he lives. But that's a chachma. That's what his mind dictates. And therefore, he lives that way. He lives in that fashion. Teira comes from the word Heiro'o. Zaya tells us. Teira comes from the word Heiro'o, which is a lesson, a life lesson. And this gives a life lesson as to how a person needs to behave and act. Chachma places a person pure mind totally segregated it doesn't tell the person anything and it can't he can't tell the Chachm anything what to do somehow it could influence in some way the person and his behavior and his actions to sway a person this way or the other. But it can't teach a person a way of life. Whereas Teda, Teda's etzim, Teda's metzius, Teda's mahus, is to teach the person, to give them and explain to them their way of life. This is the main difference 
of Torah and Chochmah. It means the difference. It gives a person a life lesson how to act and how to behave. How to actually live. Therefore, the main issue of Teda is the part of Halacha which is in it. And although we say, Eiluv Eiluv Divrei Chaim, that each opinion is part of God, is God's word. And when we say this is the halacha, this is the psakdin, this is how it goes, so obviously the other side is not correct. But still in all, everybody accepts what this what the other opinion dictated because this is the correct dictate. And therefore the main part of Tera is the halacha which is in it. Mm-hmm. When a Jew learns Tera, he knows this is Tera Sashem. And he learns it with total self-nullification to God. And he knows that he wants to do and dedicate everything to the will of God. And therefore when he accepts Apsak Halacha, he agrees with it, not only in theory, but in actuality. This train of thought and his way of learning. Even though he had his own opinion and he thought totally different. So not only is he not angry at the opinion, the opposite. Because he has clear belief that the Psak Aloka is true, and this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, he delves totally into this concept, until he himself reaches in his own mind to the Maskana, that this is Taka, the correct Psak Aloka. This is something only Teda can do. Only Taylor can dictate, only Taylor can influence on a person. When two people have an argument, a debate, even if one convinces the other one that his opinion is correct, At the end of the day, the person says to himself, Yeah, but. Yeah, but. It was right, he was correct, but. 
This is the beauty of Tera. Where Tera brings everybody together. When a person, when there's different opinions, different svaras, and they go different directions, you can understand it to this way, to that way. Tera comes in between, and Tera sways one side the other way. And not just sways one side to agree to the other side, but to make them both feel like they are both hearing their opinion, and both getting their opinion. And therefore, Taylor brings Achdus with B'nai Yisrael, in spite of all the separations between them, all the differences. And this causes Kish Echod, believe Echod. The Kapishan said, Rebbe, it's a very nice holy Jew, one time was visited by a very poor person. And the poor person's hat nebuch was totally, totally out of shape. Humiliatingly. Embarrassingly. And the Kabishnitsa had compassion for this fellow. He felt terrible. And he had just purchased a brand new hat. He took off his brand new hat and put it on the fellow's head said, go my friend. This is yours now. fellow left very, very happy, obviously. But everybody asked the commission, sir, what was that? What was that? You could have given him an older hat of yours. You just bought a new hat. Your other hat wasn't horrible. It wasn't anything like his hat looked. If you would have given him your other hat that you just finished using kept your new hat, it would been just as nice to him. And Kabishan answered, I bought myself a new hat. By giving him this hat, I bought myself a new hat in Elam Habo. In the world to come. So when I come, Lamaila, I will have a new hat. This new hat that I placed on his head, will come with me to, to Ghanaian. One time he went to, there was another Rav locally, another rabbi, whoever he was, another personality in the same city. And the other person invited him to a wedding of his. So the Kapishnitsa went to the wedding. He was invited, he went. When the Kapishnitsa made a wedding, a short time later, this other fellow did not show up. Alright. Akaras Atev, as we call it. You know, you recognize somebody did a favor, you tend to want to repay him. So the slap in the face was not present. Then the other fellow made another wedding. And the commission was getting dressed to go. And his guy says to him, where are you going? He just insulted you and didn't come to yours. Why are you going to his? Kapishan says to the guy, thank you very much. He says, why? 
He says, the first time I went to the wedding, I didn't know, was I right not go to, to go or not go? Do I belong going, not belong going? I saw that I should have gone. Now, when he didn't come to me, I see how wrong it was that he didn't come to me. I know how wrong it would have been if I wouldn't have gone to him. So now you want me to learn from him or to learn from me? I should learn from what I did the first time, which means go, because that's the right thing to do. Or should I not go to follow his lesson, his brilliance, and be like him? They back down. To show the opinion of a person, the opinion of a tzaddik, or the thought fact, the thought train of thought Teda Tvila Maisim Tevim without Tvila we go nowhere Tvila paves the way for everything when we pray for whatever we pray for to Hashem, Hashem listens to our prayers a marshal was given once of a poor person The poor person was standing by the post office. In those days, everything went through the post office. All transactions went through the post office. And he sees a man come in, put down some coins on the table, and the teller hands him a box of gold. Another man comes in, puts down coins on the table, and the teller hands him a box of diamonds. Guy says, this is amazing. That's how you get rich. With a few small coins, you get rich. Great. So he went and he stood outside and he collected himself a few coins. And he came to the guy and he says, give me a box of diamonds. The fellow looks at him and says, what are you talking about? He says, what do you mean? The other fellow just came and you gave him a box of diamonds and a box of gold. Well, why shouldn't you give me? He says, Chuchem. They paid for their diamonds and their gold before. They only paid now for the handling and the shipping. The person goes to work and they can make a parnasa. They think they made the parnasa. No, it's all a mirage. It's the way you daven. That's how your pranasa comes. The payment needs to be done first by davening and learning. Hakadosh Baruch repays us in, in kind. And since Hakal Yisrael is davening, learning, and doing Maisentayvim, Hakadosh Baruch should pay us back in kind and send us Gula Mitzvah Shneim in this Shabbos. And we shall all be again in Yerushalayim, Yir HaKodesh, Mehera V'yameinu, and see again the revelations that we saw at Matan Teda. Good Shabbos to all.